What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Modern Guilt, episode 33 now? Yeah, yeah. episode 33. I'm sitting indoors on a stormy, rainy, wet day in Brisbane. I'm sitting here and it's just typical fucking New Zealand, overcast and 19 degrees. I kind of like that we've started uh, including weather updates in the intro. Do you enjoy that? Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things you get, you talk about when you get older. Um, <laughs> it's like balancing out your growth fund into your conservative fund over time, you know, like dialogue just slowly shifts into weather conversation <laughs> until it's like 90% of your balance. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's a thing. <laughs> 20 years, look forward to the, the Hayden and Damon weather report. I would love to do a podcast about the weather. <laughs> Just deep dives on the day's weather around the world. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a hyper like meditative, chill podcast to make. Oh man, but it'll get filthy because we can go into whether the weather's being manipulated um, by the institutions <laughs> that be. More on that later. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd rather kill myself, but that's definitely something that could happen. Before we uh, carry on, we should just plug the recent bonus podcast that we published on our Patreon where we did a deep dive into uh, a stock, the stock of a company called Ocigen, or the stock ticker is OCGN, um, who uh, may or may not be developing and producing a vaccine for the United States, uh, which, you know, pending approval. So if you want to go and check that out and hear our thoughts on the stock, you can go to Patreon, pay five bucks and get the bonus content and support the podcast that'd be very nice i think it's worth it i would pay five dollars for it yeah i'd pay five bucks definitely good good down. news that we would um, yeah, so, so we've we've proven our own uh <laughs> self-belief now absolutely <laughs> recently we also appeared as guests on another podcast with uh christian who does a podcast called the society show so that may or may not be out by the time this episode drops. If it is, we'll include a link in the show notes. Also, I've just reminded myself of one other thing. Um, I realized the other day that the hyperlinks that I've been including in the episode descriptions don't work on all platforms. So down the bottom of the description where it says links, and then it has like um, these like keywords about what the links were to, they were meant to be hyperlinks. So on some, if you clicked them, you'd be going to the articles. But on some, it also just has a list of words, um, yeah. which appear appear to make no sense. So I must have been doing that for, yeah, like 30 episodes now. <laughs> um, so, so that's good. Uh, but from here on in, listeners, if you are someone who likes to click links, you'll be able to, because I will include the URL as well as the keywords. Nice. And with that, I'll take a sip of water. Wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, the world's pretty riled up at the moment, huh? Seems yeah. like discussions around um, all that boring shit, politics and race war have kind of died off. Um, and we're like <laughs> moving more into like class dialogue for the first time. It's just kind of like uh, feels good to me that there's finally a shift in the narrative towards the like problem, at least in my eyes, that's affecting yes. a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. Although I do feel like even though the GameStop scenario is a really great window into a broader discussion about class dialogue, I don't think it's going to go that way because I think that 
I think that the little guys are shooting themselves in the, f in the foot at the moment. I think that these GameStop holders who have been viewing themselves as revolutionaries pushing back against these Wall Street short sellers um, are starting to get a bit hysterical and undermining their legitimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I completely fucking agree, um, basically. And that's sort of like what we wanted to talk about today is the whole ongoing game scenario. So, I mean, mm -hmm. some of you guys might have tuned in. We had Rod on the show, uh, the game OG, back in early December or something. Yeah. Um, on a very bleak day when the share price had hit like $12 or some shit. Mm -hmm. I was down a considerable amount of money at that point, which was a bummer. <laughs> Were you it in the was. trade? <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. But Rod came on and gave us a fucking awesome overview of what was the underlying value in the company as yeah. well as the possibility of a, of a short squeeze as an X factor in the trade. So since we had Rod on, things went really well for GameStop stock, as some of you might have noticed. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, we reached out to Rod and um, said, good job. Thank you for due diligence and for coming on the podcast. Rod has since basically become a f fucking uh, international name now. Yeah, he's a celeb. He's on he's, um, Bloomberg. He's been on Bloomberg in the Wall Street Journal, been on a bunch of other podcasts. Um, these headlines like, you know, like the South Florida man who scored big on GameStop. Yeah. And all that. So yeah, we're going to reach out to Rod and see if he wants to come back on actually, just to, just, a, just as a hang, not to talk about GameStop because it's been played to death, but we're going to talk about, about GameStop one. being played to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So are you looking at getting back in at all? No. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted with it. I can't, yeah. I can't invest in something that I hate talking about hmm. because, you know, I want to be up with the play. Hey, Bruce. No, don't, don't do that. I want to be up with the play, uh, with the companies that I'm invested in. And um, that requires my enthusiasm or interest. And that's just not something I have for GameStop anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to stomach look. So yeah, exactly. Since all then, before we dive into the like nuts and bolts of the entire fucking story and how it's played out uh, since then for this uh, game review episode. Yeah, I had like uh, a bunch of fucking people hit me up post GameStop, you know, uh, asking about like various other pump and dump schemes. It seems like everybody's an investor now, which in, in a way might like be a good thing in the long run. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know, there, there's <laughs> there's no such thing as like easy money. Uh, and I hope most people realize that before they throw all their money into silver or um, movie theater companies or uh, transitionary phone companies. Not saying that any of those are good or bad. I haven't looked into them. And I'm not really interested in either. I feel like there should be a meme or something that's like, silver, the shittiest of all the precious metals. <laughs> yeah, fucking A. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't even know about um, silver. Although I had, I did read, Michael Burry was posting about like this old silver squeeze uh, that happened back in the day when this like oil oligarch essentially got really worried that um, his fucking money wasn't going to be worth anything. So he just piled it all into silver. 
and yeah, right. cornering the market and jacking the price way up, which causes like a silver <laughs> squeeze, followed by him getting like heavily fined and losing everything as the price plummeted back down. Because um, as it turns out, that's a much bigger market than the market for, uh, you know, failing retailers <laughs> transitioning into e-commerce by a factor of about 15 or something. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of um, squeezes on precious metals, yeah. uh, commodities more broadly or, you know, metals um, are facing an interesting little uptick at the moment. If um, anyone wants to just go away and read up on that, I'm not going to, we don't, I don't want to go into it because it'll take too long. But, you know, there's a little um, thread to pull out yeah. for, for those who are looking for some moves. Um, anyway, fuck it. Let's start this uh Let's start the meat and potatoes All right. of this GameStop episode. Short intro, straight into it. So let's wind back. Uh, I'm just going to pull up the fucking price so we can get the story straight. I, as I told Hayden and I'm now telling you, listeners, I basically had to spend several days drinking heavily just to fucking deal with the fucking stress of this stupid trade. Since about like... I don't know, maybe around the $100 mark or something to my eventual sell point, which was uh, just under $300 um, when, when it started spiking. Uh, when shit started getting crazy. So basically, like, I guess our story kind of kicks off. I mean, it hit, god damn, it wasn't even that long ago. It was on January 22nd where it started ramping up and it hit like $60 a share, which feels like a lifetime ago, but that is literally not even a week ago now. Really? Not no. I'm oh, sorry. It just, must be two sorry, weeks. Just over a week ago. Well, we're around wow. the second of February, so it hits sixty around um, Friday. One, uh, yeah, week and a half ago. Mm, okay. Um, and that's where things started getting crazy. So I guess around that point in time, a few days earlier, Ryan Cohen had been like accepted onto the board. Um, we were all excited because we were like, oh, cool. Rod's fundamental thesis is sort of starting to play out. Uh, Coming true. Yeah. Maybe by the end of the year, uh, or the end of next year. We'll be at 120. Maybe. We might be. Yeah. Yeah. We might be <laughs> triple digits. So like Rod's, uh, thesis, you can check it out at, uh, gmedd.com. <laughs> um, I feel like some sort of like 2000s fucking GTA radio host. Uh, Isn't that what you've always wanted to feel like? Oh, <laughs> I yeah, mean, if you can get there, then just you've you've finished. You're one. It's, it's the end goal to host a talkback radio show. But um, speaking of, send us audio clips of your own reactions to the show. You might just get played. Um, we had a previous listener that did that, and he got some airtime. So that was like Rod's initial thesis was coming true. Everyone was excited. We we're all thinking that you know this might turn into something. Uh, and then there's always been, and anybody that was listening to the fundamental thesis episode and has been following the play pre-January, essentially knew that in the background there was a short thesis idea, but that most likely was pretty rare. Nobody was really counting on it. And if you were, then, you know, I guess. Then you were in the stock for the wrong reason. Yeah, you're in it for the wrong reasons. You should never really bet on a short squeeze happening. They're like not as common as people seem to think they are um so i guess that takes us up to like it started hitting the hundred dollar mark we had that one day where it jumped from like 60 all the way to i think it hit like 150 
or whatever. And there was a commentator on Wall Street Bets um, called Unlucky Prize, who I would say correctly called that the gamma squeeze. Essentially, the large purchasing of options forces brokers to cover their own positions. And so they had to mass buy shares, you know, which weren't really available because the float was so fucking small and it just like suddenly jacked the price up, um, which has led to this like insane cascading effect that people realize that, oh, you know, fuck, we could actually, I, I guess like, I don't want to say squeeze. Like, I mean, there, I definitely think there was a bit of a squeeze, um, mm. but also I think a lot of this is just people fucking FOMOing in it. <laughs> yeah, there. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not qualified to say whether or not there was or is a squeeze. I mean, I'm sure there will. Yeah. It'll. I think it will like go nuts at one point, uh, or crazier at some point in the future. But um, yeah, I think it. This was a massive hype train. Um, mm. and obviously the, the um, sort of class narrative made it a perfect story for the media as well. And then you had other individuals on Twitter like Elon and Kanye and whatnot start referring to it as well, which I think caused well, the, the surge up past 300. I think that's one of the fascinating things is that basically this, I honestly think uh, broken theory of the short squeeze. Um, and I, I could like get into the mechanics of that, but to, to have a short squeeze, like what everyone was assuming happened with V-Dub. And if you're not aware, go check out the V-Dub story. It's really interesting. Um, Porsche, the car company, V-Dub was failing and they're about to go under. And then Porsche essentially bought the entirety of the float, which was already small and therefore could command the price of um, the share, you know? And that's fundamentally kind of what happened within that scenario versus GameStop, which is like, uh, Martin Shkreli had a really good point on it that a crowd sourced short squeeze doesn't really make sense because you have to have it as a coordinated action. Um, and if you think that you can coordinate like retail investors and be like, oh, everybody's going to command it and we're not going to sell until it's like this particular price, that's fucking insane. That's just, no, it's not going to happen. You know, um, there'll always be people who are selling out and buying in and, you know, whatever, like it's just not really doable. So, so once this whole weird theory that everybody was sticking it to the man and fucking over hedge funds, um, I guess was circulating around wall street bets and then it made it to Twitter and then Twitter just kind of ran with it. It suddenly becomes the political argument that we're, you know, you were, you were talking about. So Elon's funny because he's always been fucked over. He like with his case, I think it's a little different. Like he's got a legitimate vendetta against short sellers. Um, even though I think there's like a totally legitimate reason for short sellers to exist. His, the, the way he'd structured Tesla back in the day was he took on a fuckload of debt and was also using the debt against the value of the stock, if I remember correctly. So that if the stock price dropped below a certain level, his company essentially was going to go bankrupt or he's going to get margin called and forced to liquidate, which could then cascade into a lower stock price. So he almost lost Tesla because they were fucking like driving the price down so much. And he was uh, at the lowest point trying to sell Tesla off to Apple, right? Yeah, so you can for, understand for only he... 500 million. Oh, fuck, that's brutal. I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. Holy um, shit. I'm, I'm going to um, quickly double check that though, but I know it wasn't much. Yeah. So, and the reason I'm saying all this is I think it's important for people to understand why Elon's so fucking hateful towards shorts, but 
you also have to know that short sellers provide a lot of liquidity in the market. So that if the price is dropping, there's someone there who will sell shares back to you. And if you don't have that and everybody's selling all at once, um, you know, you're in a, a much worse scenario than if you didn't have short sellers, basically, you know, and some companies legitimately get way overvalued, you know, that's just the fact, like I would say GameStop right now is, um, definitely overvalued. Hmm. I can't find the price now that, um, that Elon was talking about, but I definitely, uh, read his tweet when it happened. Yeah. But so I will next stage, uh, this fucking political bullshit makes it to Twitter, uh, and the charlatans start to reveal themselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly, um, trading is used as a weapon against the institutional class, right? Um, and the stock market is somehow a Robin Hood story, um, that's basically designed as a way to take from these, ang you know, these, these horrible hedge funds that fuck people over, um, and redistribute it to these like, uh, you know, retail investors. Um, and that's co-opted by Ted Cruz and AOC. I'm a little gutted that that fan fiction didn't end up working out. Cause that would have been like, uh, or like the AOC Donald Trump Jr. Pairing <laughs> would have been one of the fucking best stories of 2021. Imagine them just coming together and like, you know, just forming like a new, um, like just uniting like mega and the fucking left. Well, it's such a shame in all seriousness that it didn't happen. I was really disappointed to see AOC sort of rebuff Ted Cruz's positive reply to her tweet calling out this problem because yeah. um, this was becoming the biggest story in the world and they would have had a chance to um, try and approach forming a solution to it in a bipartisan fashion in the eyes of the media, which mm. could be the, the sign or the head start that um a more like sort of unified united states meet needs yeah as misguided as it was it actually could have been like a really really good thing um hmm. despite the fact that like you know like who, who cares really um i do think that melvin was and some of the short sellers were playing dirty tactics but you know um they got theirs basically and in my eyes mm. you know like i don't think beyond the fact that they've basically been publicly humiliated uh and lost billions of dollars and probably tons of clients did what more do you want out of that story right like they got fucked and they didn't really get you know we the taxpayer didn't pick up the bill this time which is nice mm. so yeah i think though that a lot of people's anger is also directed towards um robin hood and the other brokers um restricting of trading and stuff though i think that right. was i feel as though the sort of institutional rigging of the market is a, what the bulk of the backlash was against as opposed to melvin capital themselves like in the early stages people were definitely directing their anger towards the short sellers themselves but yeah i think what aoc and ted cruz for example were sort of pushing back against was the injustice of what happened that day that would have caused a lot of people to lose untold amounts of money. Yeah. So I used to work at a clearinghouse. So this is something that I'm like fascinated by as well, because I think mm. it's a lot of misplaced anger. And and like people think that the moment you place a trade, the stock is yours, right? And it's mm. it's basically that's a done deal. But it actually doesn't settle 
for two days after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, and then like um, large price shifts uh, require more collateral to be held by clearing houses, which are essentially operators, um, you know, these like risk management businesses that make sure um, if there's a dramatic drop or a dramatic, you know, change in the price that we don't have another financial crisis. And, and that's the whole purpose of them to exist. So uh, to give you an example, back in the day when I used to work at the clearinghouse, um, if there was a 2% shift in the S&P 500, we would require brokers to put up more collateral to basically, you know, say like, hey, you got to give us more money um, because, uh, you know, we're now entering a zone where we're not comfortable with our like risk parameters and everything like that. So they, they kind of get like, I guess you could say like a margin called or on it, um, which isn't, you know, it doesn't have to be as scary. We just have to tell them like, you have to put more margin in, um, mm. you know, that normally is okay. And normally there's not many issues, but normally you don't have price rises on heavily shorted stocks um, with companies most likely doing naked shorting. But, you know, even if they weren't heavily shorting, um, they can fuck them up really bad. So brokers, uh, like Robinhood and, um, you know, interactive brokers and stuff like that were definitely running into liquidity issues in the sense yeah. that if there's a sudden price rise and you can't fucking cover, um, then they're fucked. And they, I think they avoided like a major catastrophe on, yeah, on their hands. I, um, I'm definitely am aware of that side of the situation as well. Yeah. Um, I know it looks like it's this institutional game where people are like, you know, no, not you. But also, you're meant to be trading for fundamentals uh, as well. Like when you're piling, so the restriction on trading probably wouldn't have been a big deal if this is a company that was going to be fucking going up in the long run. But because everyone was betting on a pump and dump um, and the whole idea was to get your money in as fast as you fucking could and then also mm. have the ability to get it out, like... Yeah, that's 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 not the way it's meant to fucking work. You know, I, I'm pretty sure we like narrowly avoided a catastrophe here. Mm. So see, what I would have liked to see though is those um, the brokers placing a ban across the board on um, on share purchases. I, I still disagree that it was um, the correct move on their part. I understand like the justification and the mechanisms behind it, but I do think that. Um, you know, I don't think retail investors should have had to lose out thanks to their reaction to that problem. Yeah, but I, I think a lot of retail investors who weren't betting on a short squeeze probably didn't lose out on this. You know, I, I think part of the folly here is more on the fact that you, you really shouldn't be betting on something like this. That This is just not a good investing strategy. It's not a good idea. Like, you know, don't pile your money into something that you fundamentally know isn't going to be going up in the long term. You know, that, that's just, and yeah, I hear you. Like it definitely, they could have handled it better. Um, mm. You could always handle it better, but, uh, you know, it's fucking, you gotta say like, man, it's buyer beware. Like you really have to watch this sort of shit. You shouldn't pour your money into something that's just going to fucking collapse and you know, it's going to collapse um, in the long run. I'm sure that's going to generate a lot of hate. If anybody feels like hating, then, you know, whatever, but that's, that's it. It's, it's not a good investment thesis. And, mm. you know, as, as emotional as this whole thing is right now, in the long run, build an ETF and bet in on the most shorted stocks 
uh, and bet that there's going to be a short squeeze. I don't think your money is going to come out higher than what you put in. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I completely agree with you. And anyone who would push back against that probably doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, and I think that can be true at the same time as, you know, fair treatment for all market participants. Mm, yeah. Um, while, you know, retail investors who got burned in this, 99% of them probably do have themselves mostly to blame. Um, but if, if there was fair treatment to all market participants, there would be no blame to assign. Mm. So, part, part of the question, I think, also comes down to the fact, like, is it better to avoid a wide-scale catastrophe um, and, you know, limit things suddenly? Because mm. if we had a contagion and, you know, suddenly there was a, like, you know, <laughs> suddenly the brokers can't effectively cover their positions um, and then there's a mass withdrawal of capital from the markets, that's horrible. That, that mm. like, could fuck people so bad. Um, so... You know, is it the lesser of two evils to be like, okay, we have to cap game um, to save basically, you know, like other trades in the market? Mm, yeah, no, that, that's a pretty compelling point. I agree with that one. Especially in this environment, you know, like the, mm. the whole financial structure right now feels very fucking shaky. But anyway, I'm not really here to moralize or tell people what they should or shouldn't believe. I just think it's it's really worthwhile knowing the mechanics of the market and knowing that like, how a clearinghouse works and the fact that these like big run-ups can have massive liquidity issues um really quickly shkreli did a really good take on all of this stuff essentially saying that this whole trade has been part of the greater fool fallacy um which at a certain point you're just betting that there's a, bet a bigger fool than you to buy your bags um you can also say that you know you're also betting on the whole short squeeze thesis but that was pretty shaky from the get-go. And it did squeeze probably for a period of time. I think there was definitely some margin calls and definitely like some hedge funds having to buy up the stock just to fucking cover their positions, which was low. And we saw it, like it fucking rallied heaps, you know, there's no question about that. But um, he also had on to talk about the fact that like this, how everybody devolved into this paranoia that there's these institutions and establishment characters out there you know, that they're fighting against. And that's the only way to justify the trade at a certain point is to become this sort of like jihadist against uh, the evil Melvin capital who's, you know, pulling the strings and, and everything and um, trying to keep everyone down. When in reality, hedge funds are the anti-establishment characters of Wall Street. And a lot of them are contrarian. And a lot of them got their start because they couldn't get a job anywhere else, you know, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, they're fucking elites and dickheads and Ivy League people and everything like that. But some of these guys are like, like you read the background on George Soros. Um, he was basically like down and out for a considerable amount of time. Same with Warren Buffett. He was like begging for a fucking job back in the day. So yeah, I, I thought that was a interesting point anyway to <laughs> basically it's like the anti-establishment going after the anti-establishment. Um, as well as turning the whole market into this, you know, ideological battle for uh, justice, which is rightfully, you know, a lot of people deserve redistribution, but also no, you know, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if retribution through like 
pumping and dumping is, is the best way to fucking get it. No, it's definitely not the best way. Um, the best way would be um, real, legitimate, strong <laughs> government policy, but that's yeah. a whole other issue. So there were two things about like the sort of later stage reaction, and that's still actually ongoing to the GameStop story, is um, the way that an ideological narrative has been co-opted by self-interested parties to oh, yeah. earn money off of this. Let's um, get into the fucking snakes. <laughs> so, so like, although one of these things is a class issue and one of these is a race issue or is a class issue disguised as a race issue, issue I would actually mm. say, um, the same narratives that were in the Black Lives Matter movement and its co-option have been sort of embedded in the GameStop story. And in this time, though, it, it's largely not um, like corporate institutions capitalizing on the scenario, but private individuals who have realized that they can spin this in a particular way for their own personal gain. Yeah. So given that background, uh, so, sorry to cut you off, given the That's background okay. of the fact that so basically summing all that shit up, um, th this is where I think it gets really interesting, eh? Like, so there's all the market mechanisms that led to the price going up, and there was the fucking hedge funds who frankly are out to make a buck. And I'd be willing to put money down um, that there are as many hedge funds long as there are short on this trade, you know, because hedge funds are after blood, money, and to protect the pile. Uh, and, you know, there's no shortage of people on both sides of a trade. Um, so who are the real fucking snakes? Sorry, was that a rhetorical question or you were actually asking me? Oh, it's a rhetorical question. Um, oh, right. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm just yeah. throwing it out there, you know. Yeah. Like, you've, yeah. Waiting to fire, hear your opinion on. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not actually going to go ahead and crucify anybody because I was um, going to say something else, which I think is quite interesting. I was lucky enough to sort of just come across like a couple of hours before we jumped on this call. So... I was listening to a podcast um, called The Portal, which is hosted by Eric Weinstein, which you and I have both listened to. Mm -hmm. um, listeners might like that if they want to go and check it out. But um, in this particular episode, he had a guest on called uh, Ryan Holiday, who is an author. Um, and I haven't read his work, but he was a really interesting guest. And he sort of peddles mostly in, I suppose, cultural observation or analysis. Um, Although that's probably, you know, not like a real field. He, you could describe it as that. He was talking about something that really set the tone for our current social zeitgeist. Sorry, cultural zeitgeist. He pulled the most obscure reference out of the air, which I was really interested to hear him talk about. And he was talking about The Hills, which is this reality TV show set in Los Angeles that was made in like the early and mid uh, 2000s. He said one of the themes that was present through that show was that all of these characters would always refer to how anxious and tired and exhausted they are. That has been at the heart of like the millennial being or state of fucking existence yeah. all the way through up to now. And I think it's trickled down into younger people as well. We perceive ourselves in this persistently fragile or vulnerable state and we have a victim complex as a, as a collective. Um, this doesn't apply to everybody, but I think it's present enough in enough people that you can say that it's a trend across a couple of generations. Those same sort of characteristics underlie a lot of people's reactions to the GameStop story. Mm. 
People want to see themselves as victims and pushing, against, pushing back against this larger force that is unjust in their view. Mm. Um, and then when it goes their way, they can uh, retroactively justify their, the risk taken. And if it doesn't go their way, then they get to revert back to their status as oppressed. Oh, that's the big brain take, eh? Fuck yeah. I completely agree. Uh, hold on, I need to use the bathroom. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, that's fine. Have fun. <laughs> Please carry on. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that was pretty much the sort of extent of my point there. I just think it's such a... It is, and I actually fully believe it's right. Um, there's so much anger and so much hatred uh, and complacency at the moment with people's situations, you know, because mm -hmm. like things are just getting more and more unequal. Um, jobs are hard to get. It's like seemingly impossible to get ahead at this point without miracles happening. Um, and it is easy to feel like there's institutional powers keeping you down. And, and there probably is, <laughs> you know, like in, in terms of a grand conspiracy, uh, I would say no, but what do I know? One and two, um, I just don't think that institutions are that competent to be coordinated. Uh, but mm. I, I definitely think that there is a stream of bullshit that they release all the time, you know, that you can get ahead and, and, you know, university provides ample opportunity. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, saving and scrimping and avoiding that avocado can get you a house. Um, and fucking stocks aren't manipulated. I'm not even saying that. I fully believe that this is showing us that stocks are manipulated um, yeah. by hedge funds. And, you know, th that's just fucking true at this point. I, I don't even see how you could deny it. Um, I think the brokers are pretty good because they, you know, at the end of the day, they just want you to trade because that's yeah they just the want their bag yeah yeah um they couldn't give a fuck if a stock goes up or down i don't think they have a financial stake in it either way mm. um it's um it's really funny i before the show i mentioned to you mentioned this to you but i just um tweeted something this morning um as i left the small remaining position that i had in gamestop after selling the majority of my stuff um i said the GME train arrived at my stop today and my journey came to an end. What was initially an intriguing and exciting ride ultimately became bogged down in popular mania, ideology and paranoia. Not something I have the mental capacity for. Thanks for the memories. And immediately got three... Oh, I just dropped my mic. Um, and I immediately got three uh, replies to this tweet that perfectly exemplify the sort of ideological vitriol that sets in um, amongst these groups of people who kind of descend into this oppressed, self-made paranoia yep. of people calling me paper hands um, and saying that I had like folded with a sad face. Um, and that's exactly the same kind of shit that if you um, look back to the Black Lives Matter movement and there might have been someone saying, really disappointing to see my shop front smashed in this morning if only protesters could be a bit more peaceful or something, which is sort of a position that doesn't really take a side. It's kind of just like a view on their shop. Just as my tweet was just a, uh, yeah, just my view on my personal uh, sort of participation in this story. And yeah, these, these replies I had to my tweet are just the same as what you might see people 
on Twitter throwing accusations um, around in the comment section to a tweet that I, similar to the one that I just described. Well, um, so I've, I've had the same thing. So when I told people um, selling out and urged people to sell as well and saying that it's overvalued and I wouldn't bet on trying to catch a falling knife, you know, um, is uh, I got called gay bear. Um, not, I don't want to say this in terms of it hurt my feelings. It really did. <laughs> I, I got called gay bear. Someone was like, thanks, Melvin. Uh, and then like, yeah, you paper handed bitch. And I was like, fucking okay. buddy. Like, yeah. I am no not worries. sad uh, about where this ended up, but I am cautious and I've, I've been burned and I've lost a lot of fucking money on trades that I thought could never go tits up and they always do. Um, it's just a fact, you know, but you know, people don't want to listen. And, and that's the same thing with the whole BLM movement. And I think it's like, it's easier to buy into the narrative of, um, evil institutional coordinated power being against you in terms of either hedge funds or it's the cops or it's the fucking, um, you know, whatever, rather than just like a very broken system. Um, that requires mm-hmm. uh, hugely complex solutions um, or restarts to fucking fix, you know? Yeah, um, um, I think most of these seemingly like institutional walls that seem to, you know, attack um, the majority of us mostly constructed out of just insufficiency and sort of chaos caused by a lot of disparate groups and actors mm who don't know how to do the best job out of out, oh, out of their situation you totally. know i think most of this is just kind of incompetency and i don't know uh disorganization as opposed to some sort of agenda <laughs> but agree. speaking of all um, the good shit that you can always bet on like if, if you ever wanted like the long-term play you can almost always bet on fucking selfishness greed and um you know the fact that people are going to take things too far and look for a simplified explanation yeah <laughs> and not um, blame themselves you know so speaking of um hmm, speaking of agendas and whatnot oh yeah i saw recently and this is only one side of the argument. I haven't had a chance to do a, um, a more thorough look at this, but I saw some claims that Biden is already uh, under-delivering on a lot of his campaign promises. There's speculation that American people are not going to get their $2,000 stimulus checks now. Oh, really? And that if they do get more checks, the amount will be closer to $1,000, I believe. Mm. I saw someone point out uh, the key word there was about $1,000 <laughs> and made the joke that it'll be $965 or something. <laughs> yeah. um, approval has been given for somewhere between between 10 and 20 um, new oil wells in the United States, uh, despite Biden saying that they'll, uh, you know, transition away from oil. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the next sort of 12 months has in store there. Well, hopefully he's cracking down on all that um, domestic terrorism. That, yeah, the real yeah exactly. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> that you can see is clearly still tearing America apart. Yeah. Um, Did you see uh, Jimmy Kimmel talking about... Um, talk about GameStop investors as like Russian actors? Yeah. I didn't watch the video, but I saw the headline. That's fucking ridiculous. I guess we're all Russians now. 
really. So <laughs> yeah, and like, how dare we be Russian? That's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> like embedded uh, anti-Russia bigotry in the United States right now, right? Really, it's pretty racist, weird. Really yeah, it's pretty it, horrible. Like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like backlashing against all of this, and and um, you know maybe learning more about Russian culture to educate myself. Uh, and, and well, yeah, really Russia. Russia sounds like a great country. I've I've read a fair bit about Russia and Russia's history and Russian politics. And um, I think it, they have a beautiful culture. Oh, their literature is just unmatched, right? Extraordinary. Like, yeah, yeah. I think they're one of the most unique people in the world. They they have a lot of um, a lot of intrigue and sort of um, mystery around them, in my opinion. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. So, anyway, back back to Biden's failed <laughs> promises. Potentially failed promises. Potentially, yeah. Uh, well, that that'll suck. Um, kind of not surprising to be honest i mean the, the problem is is trusting these people is the big thing and and like with these chaotic market dynamics and chaotic social dynamics and and everything uh you know this rage and anger is like fully justified at, yeah. because of the horrendous opportunities that are available to a lot of people nowadays um but the unforgivable part that i see is the fucking snakes that come out you know, and just reveal themselves throughout all of this uh, and, and play on the whole conspiracy theory rather than trying to educate and simmer it down and fucking, you know, um, do the good work. Like S3, unfortunately, coming out <laughs> uh, at the beginning who had been sort of like championed by Wall Street bets. As, Maybe you um, should um, just explain who S3 are. Uh, yeah, so lucky I got their Twitter open. They're a fintech company providing da uh, reporting data and analytic solutions. Um, so they're basically like a uh, been an impartial commentator on the whole game thing from the get-go. Um, they're reporting short interest when other companies seem to have pretty faulty data or uh, we're saying other bullshit. And um, we're really good personally uh, for my own confidence with the trade. You know, um, They pissed a lot of people off uh, who were, you know, Wall Street Bets was essentially like claiming that they'd been bought out by Melvin or whatever. Like Melvin has got any fucking money right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they came out and said that the short interest had dropped, which basically means that the short squeeze is over. The party's done. It's probably going to be fucking, um, you know, back to back to something more reasonable. Um, and you can see that with a bunch of other indicators that I won't bother getting into but if anybody's interested hit me up and i'll be happy to go into more detail about it um i just don't want to bore this entire fucking episode with um, crap but um, the... yeah oh sorry C carry on oh right so ihor ihor I, I don't know how, how to pronounce his name but like uh one of the main analysts there um got is just getting fucking shredded by people on twitter and wall street bets who are trying to claim that he's a shill and like releasing faulty data and, and stuff like that because it's what they don't want to hear and on the cross section you have these the, these fucking snakes who are trying to turn this into a crusade you know yes that's that's one of the things i was just about to bring up on this is that what happened with s3 and ihor or ihor <laughs> We yeah. should really figure out how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is such a perfect example of the way that objectivity is not allowed anymore, really, in in a lot of these social issues, or impartiality is is punished, mm. which is a really fascinating sort of thing. Like, it's almost as if 
by trying to be impartial, you take such a risk of backlash against either side, you're incentivized by default to take a side because oh. like the reaction to whatever you do will be like less extreme. Yeah. Or that maybe rather than being impartial, your best choice could be perceived as taking one side but a moderate position. Yeah. So it's like you're still you still have to jump on the scales or the seesaw in either direction. This, um, this is exactly what happened with Tucker Carlson when he came out and he was like, look, there's no evidence of voter fraud. And he got mm. fucking roasted and dropped by like um, all those coping mega dudes, you know, and girls and yeah. whatever the fuck else was in the, the mega party. Uh, immediately, they didn't even bother to listen to what he had to say. And it was mm. just like, no, fuck Tucker. He sold out. Fox News is like part of the conspiracy. It's like, bro, do you really think that's fucking true? Like, yeah. you know, like maybe you're wrong is the other thing to consider here. Um, Something else that happened in this Tucker Carlson story that I found really disappointing was that I saw no um, sort of praise from the left or the Democrats in response to that. Yeah. You know, like Fox News and Tucker are still vilified in the exact same way as they used to, but... I think it takes enormous balls for for him and the network to stand up and actually take like a responsible position on it, knowing that they're likely going to lose a lot of their audience. Mm. Yeah. Um, to to make a sacrifice um, for the sake of sort of moder- moderateness or rationality on everybody's behalf is pretty noble, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, shout out to the vilified characters, eh? Like. Martin Shkreli, yeah. Tucker Carlson. Shkreli's been fucking from day one talking about how the short squeeze is a bad thing to bet on. And he's like got ruthlessly roasted um, by Reddit saying like, well, you did it and fucking, I don't know, just all this other bullshit. But he's been great, like calm, just talking about the key points of what makes a short squeeze happen and how the institutions play um, the game and, and everything like that. But, you know, the media doesn't want to hear it. I do think it's interesting to see that the... Uh, long arm of Wall Street's banking sector, which is a conspiracy theory I guess I do believe in, really comes out with the way that some of the opinion pieces that Washington Post has been putting forward and obviously mm-hmm. like Jimmy Kimmel and all these like very obvious fucking puppets are just chilling the same crap. And it's just like, you know, the Russian assets and um, the real heroes are the hedge funds because of these <laughs> men supporting Trump. Yeah. It's like, dude... <laughs> Thanks for the keeping fucking... the market nice, market nice and organized, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like so, you know. I wanted to just drop a, a Jay Z lyric in here um, that I just thought of that applies well to the Tucker Carlson thing. Um, so Jay Z says, "Dark night feeling, die or be a hero, or live long enough to see yourself become a villain." Yeah, nice. So, there That's you go. It. That's it. A lot of fucking legends do. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you're uh, so because I've been talking about it enough now, the 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 one that I was watching that I thought was so there, there's uh, two or three guys at the start of the short squeeze that 
made themselves known and were suddenly sort of like, you know, wanted to be at the forefront of the Reddit thing and supporting the whole Reddit army. Um, and a fourth one that I'll get to, who's the ultimate sign to get the fuck out. That's not financial advice. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. I'm out of the trade. But like, <laughs> um, to me, it's a sign that this party is hit five in the morning uh, and the drinks of society are here and I don't want I want to be at home, you know. So Chameth, um, basically this billionaire, I don't actually know his background. I don't know how he's a billionaire, why he's a billionaire, but he was like talking on Reddit about like, um, you know. He's like a venture capitalist. Is he? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> was, he was sort of like coming into this and talking about how he wanted to throw some money around, you know, oh, I'll just drop like 50,000 calls on something. You guys just fucking show me what that is. You know, like, no big deal, guys. Um, and a bunch of people were like, GameStop. And that, that was basically, I think it was like around the $100 mark. It might have been around the $200 mark or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so has since been key in kind of like hyping everything up and being like, yeah, let's take down the hedge funds. Um, there is a Bitcoin bro as well. I don't know his name and he's not worth fucking shouting out at all because he just comes across as such. I looked into who he was and... He was just like, I'll teach you to get money and woman sign up to my course. Oh, that's fucking repulsive. Yeah, he posted something about how he's going to liquidate $5 million and buy into it so he can take down the hedgies, you know, and and like, fuck these guys up. I don't even care if I lose $5 million, brah. Doesn't mean anything to me. You know, I'm just with the Wall Street traders. By the way, sign up to my free course. Make sure that you get chicks, you get money, and you get fit. Um, so those are the people leading the charge. (laughs) So anyway, this guy fucking does this great tweet storm on how Chameth started attacking Robin Hood and, uh, Citadel, um, and some of the brokers, uh, and, and, you know, saying, oh, you know, the same fucking story. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard already that, um, it's incredible that he like had nobly passed on funding Robin Hood. Why? Because integrity. That's why. But uh, And then he said, you know what? If you want to replace Robin Hood, you should check out Sophie. So he said, you know, disclaimer, I'm taking this company public via a um, special purpose acquisition company. But I think it kicks ass. Uh, so immediately... You know, and then yeah. he starts conflating Robin Hood's the same as Facebook. They trick you into thinking that you're the customer, but in fact, you're the product and your data is an asset. And then those assets are sold to the true customers. And this was like a week long shill on his part. He like played the yeah. long game with it. He fully embedded himself into the GameStop narrative with like a social justice or like, you know, David and Goliath message. Uh, position he started getting fully championed by people on on wall street bets and around the world as you know like one of the coolest billionaires because he's with us he fucking he's helping us punch upwards not just a billionaire and, I'm yeah. a pro. <laughs> and then like pl- plugs his product after like a week of yeah. fully integrating himself into like the quote movement yeah which is pretty gnarly like in fact as much as I hate the behavior, like I admire the intelligence and foresight. Oh, he yeah. saw a really great window there and was like, fuck yeah, just played everyone. Oh man, there's no, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was like, hey, hater, check this out. We Fuck yeah, bro. 
Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I was duped. I'm happy to fucking go on record. Yeah, me, I was as but, well. I was, I was loving um, seeing what he was doing. I, like, checked out that interview with him on CSNBC as well. Yeah. Um, sorry, wait. Yeah, CSNBC. I always get these American um, TV network acronyms <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. In in Australia, we just have the humble ABC. Oh, really? Three three letters yeah. uh, in chronological order. Exactly. Just you guys are easy. complicating things far too much for too my uh, simple reptile brain. You cunts need to chill out. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, these are the people like I, I truly despise. Like I I don't think that there's this ultimate. Um, push for evil. I think there's people protecting the bag across no matter what the bag ends up being, whether that's your rights or your, you know, interests, your fucking ability to get a job or the money in your fucking share account. And that's, you're just in a game of sharks, you know, but there's fucking snakes out there, man. And these guys are the worst. So anyway, this motherfucker, um, turns out his company, Sophie, which is effectively a Robin Hood competitor so you know some sort of brokerage or whatever um is like first off incorporated in the cayman islands so you know yeah do with that what you will fucking there's a green light (laughs) yeah Yeah. so this guy you know is it so typical that an ideological i fucking could rant about this forever but an ideological wanker like this is also running for the fucking governor of california it's just like (laughs) virtue signaling ripping everyone off avoiding tax and then you know, blaming it all on the boogeyman. Um, yeah. So anyway, part of Chamath's big thing is like Robinhood sells uh, data basically to hedge funds as part of its way of making money. And he's like claiming that that was, you know, don't let yourself be um, tricked and whatever. His fucking company does the exact same thing. They sell their fucking money and your order flow to hedge funds. And he says that it's in the best interest of the consumers. Yeah. And not to make it fucking worse. So he was like, oh, you know, it's so unjust what uh, Robin Hood was fucking doing by limiting trades. His fucking clearinghouse was limiting trades on game and AMC yeah. as well. Um, you know, so, yeah, this motherfucker is just like the ultimate snake, um, basically. Yeah, it's... um pretty disheartening oh but, uh, yeah what a but dick. as soon as as soon as this story started to get get messy you know it was only a matter of time until this arose mm. um it's sort of like the in the same way that uh when there's an earthquake and cracks form in the earth the pressure pus- pushes water upwards yeah um so like you know you feel the shake first the cracks form and then there's a delay but eventually the the surface flooding begins um yeah which is what's happened here the sewage Um, really comes out might be worth giving a shout out and some thought to um our dear friends in myanmar at the moment as well uh where there's just been a military coup so all right yeah i hope i hope everyone there is able to stay safe and that things return to some level of stability Yeah. yeah so um I think we have a couple of listeners in, in Myanmar, so right. I hope you guys are still able to listen. Um, the The army arrested um, the prime minister and 45 other cabinet ministers and have um, declared a, a military rule in a state of emergency for one year, um, yeah. including 
shutting off a lot of internet access, which is unfortunate. So maybe less Burmese legends are going to be bumping modern guilt as they oh. cruise around the, the market. Yeah, yeah. Now. But as far as coups go, this was fairly non-violent. I don't think there were any reports of death. Um, a portion of um, the people initially arrested have already been released from jail. So mm. hopefully it remains somewhat orderly um, as much as democracy for the people of Myanmar would be nice. Um, I guess things could be be much worse. I just, yeah. It's an interesting one though, because uh, I need to quickly confirm uh, her name. So it, yeah, it's interesting because um, their prime minister, Aung San Suu Kyi, I hope I pronounced that correctly, won a Nobel Peace Prize for um, passively resisting the military dictatorship in Myanmar for over 20 years um, until she was eventually freed from house arrest where she was placed because of her activism and then won the um, prime ministership in the country's first demo uh, democratic elections. Mm. But quickly fell into a sort of cloud of suspicion and a bit of a dodgy track record, including allowing the like attempted genocide of one of their ethnic minorities, um, the Rohingya people. Mm. In 2017, um, the army was just running rampant through the countryside in this particular sort of uh, border region, basically just burning villages and raping and killing, um, driving over a million of these Rohingya people over the border to Bangladesh, where they're um, still displaced and living as refugees. While, um, you know, this prime minister who has a lot of the country's trust sort of failed to stop it um, and then won an election in November by with 83% of the vote which the army is alleging was fraudulent. Um, I don't know much about the uh, major opposition to the government in Myanmar but 83% is a Robert Mugabe-esque portion of yeah. the vote count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe there's some foul play here. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I hope everyone stays safe. Yeah, fucking yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to brush up on that entire situation. My brain's just mm. flooded with game shit, uh, which I promise will end from now on. I just, um, yeah, this is the uh, the cleansing episode. The cleansing episode, <laughs> yeah. Um. Last two fucking snakes to shout out to, not shout out to. to say oh, right. You're a Sorry, I didn't realize that we were still doing the snakes. Oh, I right. Well, we, that's why I brought up Burma. My bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's all good. Uh, the, I mean, the last one that I just wanted to touch on is essentially, so Chameth came out um, and was largely, you know, fucking dupe me, dupe a bunch of people uh, and then had an agenda. And I guess that's not a surprise. Um, my go-to heuristic when these in, in any situation is the moment you start virtue signaling uh you're fucking guilty until you're proven innocent i yeah. just do not trust that behavior whatsoever you know like you shouldn't have to come out and be a champion of the people you should be a champion of the people um first and foremost uh and if that's not enough and and again like look if you're still in game you're still holding uh props i hope it goes up a bunch i hope you make money um i hope you clear out because i don't think it's gonna last but maybe it will who knows weirder things have happened but when jordan belfort shows up at your party at 4 a.m uh and says that hey guys we can keep going till fucking 10 2 p.m yep. why not that's stay when up you know forever? to get the fucking uber man <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, bro. Fucking yeah. scat. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah, actually, what what's that saying that people say? There's like no, they say like nothing good ever happens past one a.m. or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's such a perfect analogy for this. Yeah. Um, you know, once you pass midnight and like you know you're you've dropped like one pill or something like your night's probably not going to get that much better don't take two pills you don't need three yeah you know you're already wasted you don't need shots just chill on a couple of beers and enjoy what's left of the night without getting fucking crazy yeah yeah and then yeah make sure you keep an eye out for jordan belfort because when he (laughs) arrives at the house party you know it's um time to (laughs) Look, yeah, it's one thing when Chamif shows up and gives everybody his fucking sugar-laced coke. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and then, like, dupes you into trying to fucking go to his epic house party down the road and you go there and it's, like, ten dudes sitting around. Like, yeah, at a fucking yeah. kegger. Ten venture capitalists just snorting heaps of coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, asking where the fucking girls are. You know, just being slimy piles of shit. Uh, it's another thing when Jordan Belfort shows up and you just got to think like, oh, bruh. <laughs> That's so rough, eh? God, he yeah. must be a sleazebag. Oh, uh, he just, like, I can't imagine any. I love The Wolf of Wall Street as a movie. I think it's fucking epic tale of greed and, like, hubris. Um, but I don't think he's someone to look up to. <laughs> and I don't think Not his advice all. is very good. Yeah. It's it's actually fucking hilarious that he even like sort of maintains a public profile. If I was him, I would just be so ashamed of myself. It's like it's like when Bill Cosby started weighing in on the Capitol riots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's just like, come on, dude, just fucking just go somewhere quiet and live out the rest of your life. Like <laughs> He has what was such he thinking? A, Why does he think anybody wants to fucking see him weigh in on a moral debate? Yeah. Eh? He has like, such a toxic presence online. Who, Bill Cosby or Jordan Belfort? Jordan Belfort. Well, both of them. <laughs> you know, like, Bill Cosby can fucking go and kill himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a fucking mega piece of shit, eh? Yeah, just a serial rapist. <laughs> and a virtue signaler. Let's not forget. Yeah, this motherfucker yeah. was the biggest virtue signaler out. Again. Exactly. Like, you know, I, I don't trust these motherfuckers, man. What's your agenda? What do you want? Like, you know, it, I trust people that were in this to make money. Um, first and foremost and only. Uh, yeah. You know, what would be an extraordinary uh, life experience, though, would be like um, dropping some acid and going to one of these Jordan Belfort speaking events. Oh, it must Like be. one of his, um, like, exhibition center fucking yeah. <laughs> uh, seminars or whatever. And just go there and uh, immerse yourself in the thousands of, like, you know, boring white males who, like, wear blazers even though, like, they have no reason to. <laughs> and just, like, trip balls just and just embrace the organism. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty fucking keen. I, I think that's the sort of thing that would be fascinating because, like, all of this shit is just amazing displays of um, human nature, you know, and, and it all unfolds to, like, a... Like, I'm, I'm beginning more and more to believe that there's a divine clockwork that's just ticking over. Because um, we've seen the same story fundamentally play out about three times in the last year. Yeah. You know? I know it's like an overcooked meme now, but I think like the idea that they're cranking up the dial on the simulation right now is just so, so good. 
Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah. increasing the insanity parameters and just seeing how far it goes until we break as a fucking civilization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's at the cracks, right? Like it definitely feels like it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, like the, this behavior is just becoming more and more rampant and more fucking um, volatile. Because, man, in the good times, who the fuck piles onto a trade like this? Who doesn't stop to think like, oh, well, you know, I don't know who's on the other side of this trade. Uh, I'm going to really consider where I'm putting my money. Um, they say that it could be a fucking moonshot, but you know, I don't know about that. Like, where the fuck was the reason? It was just all suddenly like, oh, I fucking hate hedge fund. I hate being put down. Like, no thought at all. Um, yeah. There was a Wall Street bets. Uh, you know the fucking emblem, like the little blonde kid with the glasses or whatever? Uh-huh, uh, yeah. Linus or whatever they call him. Um, someone bought a billboard in Auckland. Um, Auckland, New Zealand, our bigger city, to anybody that doesn't know. Uh, right by the McDonald's that had Linus the fucking kid uh, with, like, you know, diamond hands emojis around it. Yeah, yeah. You I kind of like that, though. I, lo- I like the, the silliness that surrounds it, because at least that's oh, yeah. lighthearted. You know, like I've, I like seeing the, um, what do you call it when a plane flies across the sky with a message behind it? Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like high level trolling. You know, like yeah, um, oh, it's great. Like um, suck my nuts, Robin Hood. Like over yeah. their headquarters, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. As a Robin Hood employee, I would even want to see that. Oh fucking a, because it's. It would funny, be great. You know, yeah. like. Like, and I, I saw a commentary, um, I think it might've been Shkreli or someone else saying like, you know, the hedge funds are probably fucking loving every second of this because they are the old Wall Street bets dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> and also they're fucking nuts. Mm. <laughs> They'd be frothing it. Oh, I have so much more respect for them after this shit. You know, after yeah. having to stay awake for like two days, drinking piss just to fucking keep my calm, watching my portfolio swing like life-changing amounts of money, I was just like, "How the fuck can you do this as a full-time job?" You know. Yeah, it would this... be very, very interesting to try and do. Yeah. Um, Damon and I recently talked like off the podcast about whether or not you know we would theoretically be cut out to to ma- manage funds or whatever. And my conclusion was that I think we're both like just too emotional. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I I think you have to be like one of these sort of vaguely sociopathic and like emotionally detached um, people, like a lot of finance guys appear to be, uh, if you follow the stereotype. Yeah. And I don't think we fall into that category, so uh, we won't be taking uh, on that challenge anytime soon. Not enough Valium and Coke in the world to make that job something that I could fucking undertake, you know? <laughs> um, and my body couldn't handle the fucking doses needed. The strain of it, yeah. Yeah, I'll just be a happy little commentator on the sidelines. Yeah. Or be a um, paper bitch. <laughs> <laughs> We've um, decided to include another little piece of content in our monthly offering as well. So the Modern Guilt platter is becoming more beautiful and diverse over time. Mm-hmm. Um, along with our exclusive uh, podcasts where we're doing our stock deep dives once a month, we're gonna be um, building um, spreadsheets that will be like financial models, which uses the past data, uh, the past performance data of the company to, you know, project forward um, and they'll be our interpretations of a projection for that stock that we're going to be talking about 
on each particular episode. And we're going to um, make those available to you also. So that's something we're looking forward to doing. We've already started on this month. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to be valuable tools. Um, we'll include a PDF as well as the Excel file. So you can also edit and build on it yourself if you disagree with uh, the mm. way we've done things or, or yeah. whatever, if you want to be a bit more flexible. Following the rod model, I love the whole open source model. Um, I'd love, you know, check our research out, tell us why it sucks, uh, improve upon it, tell us why you agree with it, um, or simply ignore it and downvote it and say that we're part of Melvin's plan to distract you from GameStop. Which we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Gabe is actually coming on the next show. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about so that would weird. be so sick i would fucking love that eh? <laughs> oh yeah man i fucking would love to see where his head's at at the moment you know and also find out what kind of dude he is right like i have no fucking clue um yeah me neither he could be a really funny dude i don't know for some reason i don't know why i feel this but i just think that he doesn't care that much about what's recently happened oh probably not like i i just like maybe that's how i sleep at night um, yeah, but I just feel as though he's probably kind of laughing it off. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't exactly have a bad career ahead of him. Yeah. Um, just living in his therapist's office for a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to need to hire you out for two weeks. All right, <laughs> I'm going to need you here. Almost the entire billion time. dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking. Oh, bad. that'd be so dope working as a psychologist or whatever. And someone walks into your office like, yeah. Lost $50 billion today, eh? Oh, um, God. Just, how do you talk someone through that? <laughs> I don't know. Another, well, I mean, I, I just can't help but believe that, like, at some point, it's just the same shit as if you lost fucking a normal amount, you know? Yeah. I yeah. don't think it, like, is a compounding emotional scale. I think it's, like, um, just the same thing that if you lost your toy when you were six. Yeah. You know, it just well, that sucks. Essentially proven, I think, actually, like, um, academic studies have seen that people's perceptions of their own happiness and quality of life don't don't um, continue to increase relative to how much money you earn once you're over a salary of like $100,000 or whatever. Mm. So there's basically like a, a threshold you meet where all of your material wants are satisfied and then the other variables that influence your happiness from there on are things like family and like your sort of your work or your purpose. Mm. And with our diamond stock tips, maybe you can test that theory out. <laughs> nah, jokes. Uh, not financial advice. Um, do your own research. We should blah, 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 start blah. a uh, like an, <laughs> an extra costly category, which is like you know diamond tips or whatever. Yeah, the that would be so trashy. Stock kings. This week we're hot. <laughs> oh, I would love to be like one of those high energy motherfuckers, just fucking pumping shit, selling rugs yeah. or whatever. Just like Jim Cramer's fucking um, show. Have you ever seen it? He gets like yeah, it's into the so show. good. Hey, I fucking oh. love it, man. Yeah, legend. Shout out to Cramer as well. He's been fucking good from the get go. You know. Oh yeah, been getting in the fucking thick of it with the GME crews. <laughs> been great. Well, there's probably him, all uh, of the reactions. down and dirty. Like. He's so obviously an old school hedge fund guy that's just loving the fucking chaos. And you can see what these oh, yeah. people are. They're just like, they're just fucking sickos, man, which makes me like them <laughs> once. I always thought that, that they're like institutional dickheads. And then you find out, um, oh, by the way, recommendation to everyone, go read Quant or Quants, I think it's called. Um, fantastic book on like 
how Wall Street basically was gamed by like these uh, contrarian fucking loose units who just, they're the ones that uh, invented basically card counting and then realized they could do the same thing. Oh, yeah, right. It's one of the most fascinating tales and you get a good insight into the fact that these aren't institutions in the way that you think they are. They really are people who are just kind of like rogue and fucking mental um, (laughs) and just like legendary. Uh, At one point, I told Hayden to check it out. We might do it on a future pod. The tale of Renaissance technology as well. Um, It's just epic. Absolutely epic. That's great shit. We should include a link to Quants in the show notes as Mm. we will for some of the other things we've made reference to. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Cool. Uh, We're at an hour 20, so... By the time we edit it down, we'll probably be at like an hour 15 or something. Yep. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, Continue to review us on Apple Podcasts. Share us around. Tell your friends about the pod if you think, you know, they'll enjoy it. Like I said earlier, if you want to support us, please jump onto Patreon and subscribe to uh, the exclusive content that we're doing uh, because we think you'll enjoy it. If you want to hit us up, uh, jump on Instagram and get us at, at Modern Guilt Pod or Twitter at Guilt underscore Modern. Yeah. And I think that's everything that's, from us for today. Yeah, that's good. Uh, good luck to everyone still holding game. You know, hope that you uh, make it through or cut your losses or do whatever you're going to do. Um, just keep an eye on the disinformation at the moment is the only message that I would want to impart. And also I would say be very skeptical of anything you see uh, that has short squeeze in the title. And that goes And also let's just give a shout out to uh, the GameStop OG Rod Oldman, um, who we have a lot to thank for. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Rod. Big ups, Rod. Believe in the fundamentals. Peace. All right. Bye. Thank you.